Man, I'm so glad God never gives up on me. Uh, I think I would give up on myself, but uh, thank God he doesn't give up on me, and that gives me the courage to keep taking steps of faith. And maybe you feel like you've kind of blown it this week, that, you know, you kind of let life beat you up. You haven't really focused on God this week. It's time to focus on God, and when you focus on his love, you see that he will never give up on you that he's got a plan. So don't get caught up in last week. Start looking to what God wants to do this week. Just say, Lord, forgive me for last week, but I know you haven't given up on me, that you love me. I'm so glad God is the second chance. God is the God of the second chance. God is the God of the lost cause. God is the God of the hopeless case. Aren't you glad of that? He's the God of amazing grace, and he wants to speak to you today. I know that he has an encouraging word for you today. Aren't you glad when you come to church, you get encouraged and lifted up because you look at the news and everything's really discouraging. But God wants to give you a powerful word to encourage you right where you are. I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know where you're at spiritually. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your problems are. I don't know a whole lot about you. But I know this, God knows everything about you. And I know this, that you have a heart for God, that you were made for God, that you were made with a God-shaped hole in your heart that only God can fill. And if you have Christ in your life, then you're full of the God who rose from the dead. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in your life, to change your life, to make all the difference in your life. And so, I don't know every detail about your life and what you went through this last week. You don't know the details of my life and what I went through this last week, but God does, and he has a word for you. He wants to speak to you right where you're at. And I believe by the end of this message, you're gonna say, God, thank you, because that's exactly what I needed today. That's exactly what I needed. Thank you that you care about every detail of my life. You're gonna be glad you came to church today. And all you guys worshiping with us online, you're gonna be glad you connected today. Unless you live right across the street, I don't know that God's gonna bless you. But if you live across the world, and I know so many of you are all around the world and you're connecting with us, and some of you guys, a lot of you guys are at our Atascacita campus with Pastor Daniel over there, and maybe you're right here in the Woodlands, but God wants to speak to you. There's one person excited about the Woodlands. That's awesome, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love it, from the woodlands to the world. That's what the church is all about. So let's pray together. Dear Lord, we come to meet you today, and we've already done that as we lift you up in praise. Lord, we're not just singing songs. We're we're singing songs about you and your love for us. And I thank you that you are the God of the second chance. So I pray today that you would just speak to everyone's heart. And maybe there's someone out there that feels lonely, feels like you've forgotten them. They've lost their way, they're confused, they're hurting, but Lord, I know that you wanna lift them up today as only you can. That you wanna hold them up and you wanna bring healing in their hearts. So Lord, I can't change one life, but you can change every one of us. So do that today, just do all that you want in our hearts and lives, open our minds to hear your word and let it, Lord, just soak into our hearts. Lord, speak a word to each and every one within the sound of my voice that is exactly where they're at to show them, Lord, where you wanna take them because I know you wanna do something greater than you've ever done in each and every one of our lives. Do that today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. In the last couple of weeks, I've had people ask me many times, what is happening in our world today? What in the world is going on? with the outbreak of war in the Middle East after Israel was brutally attacked by terrorists, and now it seems to be turning into this regional conflict that is quickly becoming a world crisis. And people have asked me, is this Bible prophecy? What is God up to? And it's amazing when you read the Bible written thousands of years ago, it's like reading the current headlines on your newsfeed. Have you noticed that? I mean, the Bible clearly tells us that all of history will come down to a conflict of nations coming against the tiny nation of Israel before Christ the King sets up his eternal kingdom. 
No one knows if that's where this current crisis is headed, but we know that everything in our world feels shaky and uncertain right now. He makes the Middle East crisis and the chaos all around the world together, and it looks like there's a lot to be afraid of today. There's a lot to be anxious about today. But I have good news from God's word for you today. God is still king in the crisis. God is still in control, and Christ time is crisis time. He's right there in the crisis. And God says, if you're a Christ follower, you don't have to worry. I've got this, and I've got you in my hands. You see, God is still in control, even when it looks like everything's out of control, with world leaders being out of control. It looks like everything is chaos right now. I just want you to know, even though God doesn't cause it all, God is working in it all. And it's all moving according to his plan. And it's going to be a great crescendo when Christ returns. God is still in control. And I want you to know that. And he still has a good plan for your life. So I want us to look at a passage written 2,500 years ago to see what God is up to today. Because maybe God's going to answer some of your questions that you have about the chaos in the world today. Through his word written 2,500 years ago. Because I believe this is what's happening today. This is what God is up to. In Haggai chapter 2, would you stand in honor of God's word? This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. You can be seated. And I want you to focus on that phrase, shake all nations, because that's what God is doing today. There's a great shaking that's taking place. God is allowing the world to be shaken. We live in shaky and uncertain times, and God will allow us to be shaken at times to show us what's unshakable. It's a shaking that wakes us up to the things that are unshakable, and that's what God is doing in our world today. He's allowing the world to be shaken to show us what's unshakable because he wants to turn the world to himself. I've got great news for you today. The Bible tells us no matter how much everything is shaking and crumbling around you, you can remain unshakable. Look at Psalm 62. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Did you hear that? I will not be shaken. Now, it doesn't say here that you'll never go through times of shaking that you will never go through difficulties, that you'll never go through a crisis. I mean, some pastors preach that if you love God, then you'll never have any problems. You'll never have a crisis in your life. You'll never have to go through any pain or tragedy or loss. And that's just not true. And it doesn't say that here. It says that you will never go through, it says that you will go through times when everything around you is shaking, when everything seems totally uncertain. But... No matter what's going on in your circumstances around you, you will not be shaken. Everything around you may be shaking, but you will not be shaken. No matter what you go through, the pain and the hurt and the trials of life, circumstances that are always changing and uncertain around you, things spinning out of control around you, God says, I'm still in control, and everything you go through, I'm gonna hold you, and you will not be shaken. What a great promise to know that, that no matter what's going on, no matter what the future holds, God holds my future, and I will not be shaken. You will not be shaken. But there's a premise with this promise, and many of the promises of God, there's a premise with it. God says, I wanna bless you in this way. I wanna do this in your life. I wanna work in your life in this way, if you'll do this. Now, it's not so that we can earn God's blessing. God just says, here's the way you walk and my blessings. My blessings are on this path and I want you to take it because I love you. You don't earn the blessing, but whenever you walk in God's path, 
then you walk in the way of that blessing. And this is a really important premise in front of this promise, that if you don't wanna be shaken when everything else is shaking, there's something you have to do. When everything around you is shaking, what do you need to do? It says it real clearly here. Focus on two words in that passage. God alone. If I wanna be unshakable, when everything around me is being shaken, I have to trust God alone. If I place my faith in anything else, if what I'm trusting in is anything else but God, eventually my life will be shaken and crumble. It all comes down to the foundation you're building your life on. That's why we just started this faith building series we're calling Believe and Build. Because what you believe in life determines what you build with your life. What you believe with your life determines what you build with your life. And really our beliefs are the foundation that we build our life on. What you believe is your foundation in life. And if your foundation is faulty, everything you build in your life will eventually crumble. It won't last for eternity. But if your foundation is solid, you'll build something that lasts. A lot of people are building big things here on this earth. Building a big bank account, building a big image, uh, building goodwill, doing good things. And with their life, they're building a huge skyscraper that everyone looks at and says, that's amazing. But the problem is they haven't built on an eternal foundation and eventually everything they build will crumble to dust and it won't be remembered. But when you build on the foundation of Christ, you build for eternity. Now, this is a time when God's allowing a great shaking to take place. So we'll turn to the only unshakable foundation, Jesus Christ. We'll build our lives on his truth and his love. Now, the full passage of what we read in Haggai tells us what to do when everything is shaken. And it's really surprising. You just can't figure God out. You just have to obey him. Obedience brings that blessing. But, I mean, in a time when everything is shaking, in a time when everything is uncertain, God tells us to do something that seems to go totally against that. It goes totally against common sense, to be honest with you. In Haggai chapter two, verse three, and by the way, this event of rebuilding the temple, of rebuilding in the second temple, it's in five books of the Bible in the Old Testament. It all comes together. It's different people who play different roles, and this is the prophet Haggai, and he says, God says, does anyone remember this house, this temple, in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. Be strong, all you people still left in the land, and now get to work, for I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. So do not be afraid. I will shake all the nations, and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple would be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. God says, I've spoken, it's done. God says to his people, I'm going to shake the nations. And while everything is being shaken and crumbling, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build. In this time where everything is being shaken, it's time for you to build. Now you'd think he'd say to his people, hey, I am shaking the nations to show everyone what's unshakable, to show them they're building their life on things that are uncertain and their foundation is faulty and what they're building on, everything's gonna come tumbling to the ground because of what they're building on. And you'd think God would say to his people, hey, everything's shaky and uncertain right now, so hunker down. I mean, don't do anything that's risky. You know, just pull everything in, batten down the hatches, hunker down. But what does he say? He says, while a lot of things are tearing down and falling down, I want you to build up. It is time for you to build. And here's what you need to do in this time where everything is shaky. It's time for you to believe and build. It's time for you, God says, to believe in my greatness and strength so I can build something great in you and through your life. 
That passage in Haggai comes from the same time frame in the Old Testament we looked at last week, where after 70 years in captivity in Babylon, the people of God are miraculously allowed to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. The first group of Israelites that goes back, they're so passionate, so excited, so filled with God, they go back to Jerusalem, and a lot of them have never seen Jerusalem. They've been in captivity in Babylon. And so it's like a dream. They go back to Jerusalem, and they get to start rebuilding the temple. And within two years, they've already laid the foundation of the temple. It's a real miracle. You know, they're, they're settling in, and they're rebuilding the foundation of this great temple to put God first and worship God, the very place where God's presence dwelt in the Old Testament. And they celebrate after they get the foundation built. They honor God. They're so fired up to build the rest of the temple for the glory of God. Then they get distracted. They get distracted by their enemies first. The enemies start coming against them. All the people around them start coming against them, trying to distract them, trying to stop them from building something great and powerful. They get distracted by life, just daily life. All the problems of daily life distract them. They let complacency set in. They stopped putting God first. They stopped building. They left the foundation of the temple and went on to work on their own houses and do their own thing. They literally left the foundation of the temple and just let it sit there unfinished for 17 years. They forgot about the foundation. But worse than that, they left the foundation of the temple spiritually. They left the foundation of their faith in God's greatness. They stopped trusting in God to do great and extraordinary things in and through their lives. And they started doing things that they could do, small things that they could do that felt like big things, but they didn't need God for it. And is there anything you're doing in your one and only life that only God can do, that only God can do? And once he comes through, you gotta give him credit because you knew only God could do that. Is there anything in your one and only life that you're doing that requires God? Or is everything you're doing just things that you can do? You're, you're making sure that I, I can solve this, I can do this. God wants us to believe him for great things in our lives. They started settling back into normal life with their normal routine, focused on their normal priorities and their normal problems, which came with their normal anxieties and their normal worries and their normal emptiness. They gave up God's great vision for their lives for a normal vision. And they fell back into being comfortable. Things felt comfortable as life was finally getting back to normal. And when you leave the foundation of faith in God's greatness, You'll build your life on a normal foundation that takes no faith. But a normal foundation isn't strong enough to build anything great or lasting with your life. The people forgot about the foundation and they fell back into normal life. There was just one problem. God hates normal. I don't know if there's anything God hates worse. You say, well, God hates sin and there's some sins that are pretty bad, Carrie. Yeah, but I don't know that God hates anything more than normal. God never builds anything normal with your life. He builds something eternal, but if God builds it, it's not normal. If God builds it, it's not natural, it's supernatural. And the reason God had allowed the Israelites to be conquered and in captivity for 70 years is so that they would stop being normal like the people all around them that worshiped idols. So they would stop having a normal foundation like everyone around them because they started adopting all the ways of the people around them and they stopped worshiping the true and living God. They stopped building their lives on the greatness of God. In fact, God allowed them to go to worse than normal in captivity in Babylon so they would never go back to normal again. And many times God allows us to go to worse than normal in our lives so we will never go back to normal again. We will never settle into complacency. We will never get back to normal. I mean, we always ask this, don't we, when we're going through problems? I don't know when things are gonna get back to normal. I've had people tell me, Pastor, I haven't been in church in a while because, I mean, things are just so stressful and busy and it's been kind of crazy in my life. But when things get back to normal, I say, well, you're never coming back to church then because <laughs> it never gets back to normal. And God doesn't want it to get back to normal. We said that all through the pandemic, didn't we? 
when are things going to get back to normal? Well, now I guess we're back to normal. Is this normal? I don't know. I don't think so. God says, I don't want you to ever get back to normal because I want to take you to greater than normal. That's where I want you to live. And sometimes God will take you in your life to worse than normal so that he can take you to greater than normal so you'll never go back to normal again. You see, what is normal? Your normal schedule. What is that? I mean, God looked at the people and he said, I took you to worse than normal so you'll never go back to normal again because when you were living in normal, your normal schedule was so overcrowded that you left me out. Your normal attitude was ungrateful for all of my blessings. Your normal financial situation was you were always overextended and stressed out because you were focused on material things and didn't put me first. And God said to his people, I don't want you to ever go back to normal. I allowed you to go to worse than normal so I could take you to greater than normal. And God tells them, stop wasting your time building a normal life on a normal foundation. Get back to building on the foundation of faith in me and I'll help you build something great and lasting. And God tells them something so amazing in Haggai. We're gonna keep going back to Haggai and looking at it. In verse nine, the future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. God says the future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory. God tells his people, I want to do greater things in your future than I've ever done in your life. And that's what God says to you today. I wanna do greater things in your future than I've ever done in your life. He's not saying that I wanna take all the problems out of your life, that's not till we get to heaven. But he's saying, I want you to leave the past behind because I've got something greater ahead for you. And you need to be looking for it. I wanna take you to greater than normal. I want you to break free from normal. And he says, hey, this house you're building for me is gonna be greater and I'm gonna be more glorified than ever. That was the very temple that, that Jesus, hundreds of years later, would walk through. And he would shine his light to the people. The glory of God would actually walk in the place that they were building. And the presence of God, the Old Testament, resided in the Holy of Holies. And so the temple of God, the scripture says, after Christ died and rose again, is you and me, that he resides in our lives, in our bodies, through his Holy Spirit. We're the temple of God. And God says, I wanna do something in my house, in your heart, that's greater than I've ever done before in your life. So get ready for it. But if you build your foundation as a normal foundation, you build your life on a normal foundation, I can't do anything great and lasting in your life. And that foundation will be shakable. And anything you build will eventually crumble. So you need to get back to the foundation and start building. God says, you need to start building again. You've stopped building. And some of you, he's saying that to you today. You need to get building again. You need to keep stepping out in faith because you stopped stepping out in faith. It's time for you to dream again. It's time for you to live again. It's time for you to love again. It's time for you to step into your future because you've been at normal way too long. It's time for you to believe God for great things in your life now because he has a greater future for you than your past. But I have to decide a couple of things if I'm gonna really allow God to take me to greater than normal. If I'm gonna build something greater if I'm gonna allow God to build something greater in my life, I've gotta make some decisions. God says, you've got a part in it. There's a premise to the promise. And here's the first thing I have to decide. Normal people will no longer keep me from believing in building. Normal people will no longer stop me from building. Normal people will no longer stop me from believing God for great things in my life. When the Israelites first returned to Jerusalem, they started believing God and building something greater than themselves. But as soon as they finished the foundation, their enemies try to discourage them. And whenever you start to build your life on the foundation of God's love and truth, you need to realize that's not normal. You're no longer normal. That's breaking free from normal. And whenever you start breaking free from normal, normal people in our normal culture will try to discourage you and keep you from breaking out of that normal mold. The non-builders will try to keep you from building. 
the non-believers will try to keep you from believing. Look at Ezra 4.4. Ezra was the scribe during this time. And his book in the Bible talks all about rebuilding the temple. It says, then the peoples around them set out to discourage them. They discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. As soon as they finished the foundation, their enemies started a discouragement campaign. And man, they are just coming at them every single day. They would spread lies about them. They would gossip about them. All these rumors would go around about them. They would bribe government officials so that they would be against them. And eventually, they get the new king to stop them from building. They were constantly trying to discourage and stop them from building. Now, who were those enemies that it says were all around them? It says the people all around them came at them. Well, it was the Samaritans, the Ammonites, the Horonites, the Moabites, but really you could call them normalites. That's what they were. And whenever you start breaking free from normal culture, there will be a lot of normalites that try to discourage you. Normalites wanna make you feel like you are weird. Something's way off with you. And they try to mold you into normal culture. And our normal culture is crazy, folks. I mean, our normalite culture is a culture of confusion. Our normalite culture doesn't even know the difference between a man and a woman. So I don't know that I would go along with that normalite culture. I mean, it's messed up. It's upside down. Our normal culture is always putting pressure on us to think like everyone else to think what everyone else is thinking, to do what everyone else is doing, to live the way everyone else is living so we can be normal. But we've never stopped to ask, is normal working? How's normal been working out for you lately? What's a normal schedule today? Being completely overwhelmed, always stressed out, never having time to do the most important things in life because you're doing the urgent things, but you're missing out on building close and deep relationships and you're missing out on building things that are eternal. That's normal. What's normal in finances today? Well, it's buying material things that you don't really need, that can never really satisfy. It's always worrying about finances. It's always being stressed out about finances. It's always arguing over finances. That's normal. What's normal when it comes to dating relationships? It's sleeping with everyone that you date until you finally get married. After a few years of marriage, you realize the person you're married to, you don't really know because you never really took the time to develop spiritual and emotional oneness. You just focused on the physical oneness. And so you don't really know each other. That's why over half of marriages end in divorce. That's normal today. Normal isn't working. Normal never has. God wants us to move beyond normal. I'd rather be weird than normal. Because weird is God's normal. God wants to take you to greater than normal, but that means you have to decide what will be the foundation of your life. That's the first decision you make in life. And it makes all the other decisions so much easier. You see, you will have a foundation you're building your life on. A lot of people don't know they have a foundation they're building their life on, but there is. It may be the foundation of making money. It may be the foundation of being successful. It may be the foundation of just fitting in. It may be the foundation of another person that they're trusting in with all their life. Every one of us have a foundation we're making decisions on and building our life on. So the first decision you gotta make is what foundation will I build my life on? And when you decide to build your life on God's word, all the other decisions get a lot easier. Culture doesn't change your decisions because you base it on God's word. You base it on God's word, God's love, and God's truth. And so I read God's word and it says to do this or not to do that. And I know that he loves me and it's for my best. And Sometimes I don't understand it, I don't feel like it, but it's decided, you know? And I have to trust that God knows. And so once you decide you build your life on God's word, all the other decisions just get a lot easier. And so I've got to decide that no longer will normal people keep me from believing and building. Because God wants you right now to believe and to build. And then I've got to decide that normal priorities will no longer keep me from God's blessings. Normal priorities will keep you from God's blessings in your life. God tells us, hey, this is the way I want you to live because I love you, because I know I made you. And I know what works best. And I know that there's pain and problems and difficulties and and there's struggles. And I'll allow you to have some struggles in life. But I want you to walk my way because... 
That way is the way of fulfillment. That way is the way that builds something that lasts. But they were getting their priorities all out of line. And Haggai, look at it with me again. In chapter one, verse nine, God says this to them. You hoped for rich harvest, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses. Well, isn't that interesting? God says, hey, for 17 years, you forgot the foundation. For 17 years, you've left my house in ruin. And what have you been doing for those 17 years? You focused in on your stuff and you've been building really nice houses for yourself. In fact, in 17 years, you've remodeled your house five times. And I, my house is over here in ruins. I mean, you remodel your house every time, you know, a style changes a little bit. Every time Chip and Joanna show you what to do, you remodel, what's going on? Who are these guys? You watch a show and then you're fixing it up again. You're always, what can I do next? You're so focused on it. And God says, but you've left my house in ruins, so here's what I'm gonna do. You know, all the things that you're doing, things are gonna go wrong. You're never gonna be blessed the way I wanna bless you. And God was saying, I'm telling you this because I wanna bless you. I mean, it's so amazing here. He's telling them this. He's saying, you are not putting me first. In fact, you're putting me last. You don't even give me the leftovers. You're so focused on your stuff and you're building something here and it's not gonna last. But God's ready to bless them. He's saying this because he wants to bless them and you'll see how he says, hey, do this and you'll be blessed in just a moment. You're gonna see that because God wants to bless you and God's not saying here, yeah, I want you to live in a hut. I didn't want you to build. No, he has no problem with them building nice houses. He wants to bless them. But he says, you've gotten it backwards. For 17 years, you've forgotten my house. And you're building your own house. You're just putting yourself first. You know, God doesn't have any problem with you building a nice house. God wants to bless you as long as you use it for God's glory. You know, I, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, we've been living in the same house for, I guess it's like 23 years, something like that. And and we've had to remodel, and the reason why is we've had so many students and teenagers, and Mark Miller's down here on the front row, and he knows that he calls us up and goes, hey, can we do a big student thing there? And it's like, okay. You know, I wonder how much the repairs are gonna be this time, you know? But we love it. One time, I'll never forget it, I go upstairs and all this racket's going on, and, and there's a big hole in the sheetrock in one of the rooms, and it's the, it looks exactly like a butt. I mean, it's just like, what is this, you know? And they had thrown a kid and he had hit it with his rear end and, and knocked an imprint of his rear into my sheetrock. And I said, praise God, you know, God's using this house for his glory. I mean, over and over, you, and we love it, we love it because that house won't last. We love our house. And, and it's okay to have nice houses. God says, that's great, I wanna bless you. As long as you use it for me and put me first, enjoy it, it's great. But you've forgotten my house. You're not putting me first. It's all about you and your stuff. And really, you're not gonna be blessed the way I want to bless you. You know, the people here were building small. They were building something really small because even though their houses were big and nice, they were building really small because it wasn't gonna last. And that's why they felt so empty because they weren't building something with God's power that would be great and eternal and lasting and change lives. And God wants us to build something that lasts. And the only thing that lasts is the church. That's the only organization that lasts, the church, because the church is not a place you go, it's the people of God. The church is not a building, it's the body of Christ. The church is what Jesus is building. That's what God is always building, he's building his church. And he's building it for eternity because every other organization is not gonna last for eternity. But the church will last for eternity. The church is gonna last. You can put your effort and energy in all kinds of organizations and they're great, but they're not gonna last. The church will last for eternity. And what's amazing is whenever you put God first and his body first to make a difference that lasts for eternity, 
then you, you get to see it so many times. When we first started the church, just a few people, I'll never forget how those eight people just sacrificed. It's like, we're gonna give. We're gonna do everything it takes to sacrifice and give. And I would share a vision with them. Hey, in 30 years, who knows how many people will have come to Christ because of what you're doing here. And I'd go, man, in 30 years, Lord, will we have a church? Because I'm not sure we're gonna have one in three months. Yes, in thir- yes Lord, in 30 years. <clears throat> you know how it is when you step out in faith. I'll tell you, we're stepping out in faith. God's gonna do this great thing. It's gonna be amazing. And then I'll go sit down here and say, Chris, do you think God's really gonna do it? She goes, yes, of course. He's spoken to us. He's gonna do it. Well, that's the way I always feel. But I don't let my fears keep me from trusting God. And I'll certainly not let my fears keep this church from stepping out in faith and trusting God because courage isn't a lack of fear because you'll have fear Courage is not the absence of fear, it's just stepping in faith in spite of your fear. Trusting God is greater than your fears. But 30 years ago, I'm telling the people, Christian are standing before them, these eight people that are giving so much and sacrificing so much, hey, in 30 years, the people who are at Will and Church, whose lives have been changed, whose marriages have been saved, whose kids are growing up in the faith, whose brokenness is being healed, they're gonna thank you for your sacrifice they're gonna thank you for your sacrifice because you're doing something that's gonna last. One day these buildings will crumble to dust. It's not about the buildings. The reason we have these buildings is so that God can build people, so that people can come and students and teenagers and children can come and be built in Jesus Christ because they're gonna last. There are two things that are gonna last. Are you doing anything with these two things? Are you spending any of your time on these two things? Number one, God's word. The Bible says the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. So anytime you study God's word and put it into your life, it builds your character and that's what you take with you into heaven. And so whenever you stand on God's word, teach God, God's word's gonna last. And whenever you invest in the lives of men and women, because the other thing that lasts is the souls of men and women. Buildings don't last, we build buildings to reach people because souls last. One day your heart will stop beating but you will go on because you were made for eternity. And every time you invest in a child to help them grow up in Christ, every time you give one minute of your time to serve in the body of Christ, the church, that's eternal, that's gonna last. You'll get rewarded for that. Jesus said, even when you get a cup, give a cup of cold water to a child, it will not go unrewarded. Isn't that amazing? And so you serve in the children's ministry and you help give a kid a cup of water. I mean, that's, that, you're gonna get rewarded for that. Everything you do to build people, to build God's kingdom by building people, by bringing people to Christ, by serving in the church, the body of Christ, to build his forever family, because that's what God's doing today. He's building, but he's building a forever family. He wants everyone to be in his family before he returns. That's his whole thing. He's building the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so what are you doing with your one and only life that's gonna last forever? Are you building something small? It's just about you, your family, your stuff? Are you building and doing something greater with your one and only life? Is there anything you're building in your life that will be here for eternity? I mean, most of the stuff that we're building and doing is not gonna last five years, much less 500 years or 5 million years, but God says, I want you to do things and build on a foundation that's gonna last and be unshakable and last for eternity. You know, it's, I love the fact that we're celebrating our 30th anniversary in November, and we're gonna be doing so many fun, amazing, powerful things. It's a great time to be a part. It's never been a better time to be part of Woodland Church, but as we celebrate the 30-year anniversary, Chris and I believe we're really getting started all over again. We feel that from the Lord that really we're just beginning. And so all those founding members, those very few founding members, way back there 30 years ago, that said, you know what, we're gonna give and sacrifice so that you'd be here today. Now we believe that everyone coming into our church in the last 30 years is a founding member. And by the way, our membership class is today at one o'clock. And everyone, we said, everyone who joins before our 30-year anniversary is a founding member. You'll be part of the foundations team. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna have a time capsule 
dedicated to all the founding members. We put all the names of everyone who's a founding member to be opened up in 30 years so that the people at the church 30 years from now, and maybe campuses all over the place 30 years from now, can read your name and say, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for those folks sacrificing. I wouldn't be here. You know, there'll be places all over the world in missions like we do now, and they'll be like, you know what? I wouldn't have come to know Christ without these people sacrificing. You know what? I mean, our family, man, I don't know where we'd be without those people 30 years ago sacrificing. I remember when we built the Atascacita campus. You, Woodlands Campus, you gave so that we could build that campus. It was a campus that you knew, most of you knew, you'd never walk in but you knew people needed Jesus. And so that's why you sacrificed and gave. And so it's so amazing how nothing great ever happens without sacrifice, but then God blesses you so much more. We've actually, whenever we did a a vision um, campaign to build this building, we said, you know what? You know, let's pray about it. I'm not a fundraiser. Let's pray about it. You give what God calls you to give over and above your regular tithes and let's see what God does because we need a building. We've outgrown every rental place that we've had and we need a place. We need a building. We've got the land. We need a building. And, and I remember everybody got excited except there were some that didn't get excited. It was like, man, he's talking about money and they left the church. And I said, man, that's, I hate that. I hate that. And then we got the building built and most of them came back. So, um, and I thought, hmm, hmm, that's interesting. And I thought, you know, I just felt sorry for them. And the reason I felt sorry for them is because they missed out on the blessing. Oh, they experienced blessings, but they missed out on the real blessing, God working in their heart, helping them learn to trust. And so I hope if you're not a member of a church around here, you need to be a member of a church. That's part of God's plan for your life. And if you're not, you need to, Join this church and join today. Become a foundational member. It's our last membership class before our anniversary. You can be on the foundations team, and if you haven't signed up, that's okay. We've got room, and we've got all kinds of food, and it's gonna be a huge class at both of our campuses. We're moving into a Believe and Build year-end offering that is coming up in December. And every year we have our year-end offering. This one's gonna be different. This one's gonna be, you know, to propel us for the next 30 years. And the Believe and Build year-end offering is all about the believe and build vision for what God wants to do. And it's based on Isaiah 61.4. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. God gave Chris and I this promise a couple of years ago that this would be the promise that God would do through our church over the next 30 years. Long after we're gone, but we're to start this vision to rebuild the foundations. And man, we need to rebuild the foundations. That's what's wrong with our nation. That's what's wrong with the world. We've left the foundations and the foundations are crumbling. And the way you do that is you build children. You raise up children and students and teenagers that are living in this confused culture called the confused generation, but really they're the called generation. They're called by God to change the world. That's why we have thousands of students and teenagers and we have all these children growing up learning about Jesus Christ because they are the called generation. They are the generation that will change the world and bring us back to the foundation of Jesus Christ. And that's why we do all that we do in our children's ministries and student ministries. And so one of the things in the offering is we're going to rebuild our student building that's been over 17 years. And it's time as our... Man, the student ministry has grown so much and we're gonna rebuild it. It's gonna take a couple million dollars to do that. And so that's part of the offering. Uh, We're also gonna build soccer fields and baseball fields and softball fields because we're gonna start a whole ministry of kids as they're growing up playing sports where the coaches are Christ followers and they're gonna do a little devotional before. They're gonna build into those kids, call those kids during the week and encourage them. And they're gonna come together. It's gonna be competitive. It's gonna be great, but... It's about raising these kids up. So we're gonna have soccer fields and ball fields. We have 50 acres left on this land right here and it's beautiful. And we're gonna build these fields to reach men as well. Softball and baseball and pickleball even. I gave in on that, pickleball. Pickleball for the glory of God, you know? Yeah, yeah, some of you, yeah, finally you, finally you woke up. Did you say pickleball? Yeah. This is like older people ping pong, you know? I mean, it's like, (laughs) 
no, I'll probably get hooked on it too. But anyway, I mean, we're gonna do all these things to reach people in the community at our Atascacita campus and the Woodlands campus to build up kids. And then we're building our downtown campus and we already started building it. We don't have the money for it, but we, st- we started building it. You know, The bank has been good to say, okay, you know, y'all start. And so um, it's about $11 million at downtown campus and it's in the East River complex. And it's so amazing. Um, we had a little... Uh, information meeting, we've had three of them, and we've had 200 people come to those information meetings over in the chapel that drive from the downtown area, from all over. Isn't that amazing? And so we are so excited that God called us there. Why did God call us to downtown? It is really simple. People need Jesus, and we can't skip over our city. We do missions all over the world, and we need to be downtown to make a difference, to reach people. And I love the fact people will be coming from all over the city that already go to our church. And then we're nestled up right against the Fifth Ward, this historic community that's amazing. And we're gonna be ministering there too and making a difference, connecting with people who are already doing it, making a difference in our downtown campus. And I wanna show you pictures of it. This is the uh, renderings of it, and we've gotten started now. Um, it's gonna be like the Tassacita campus, beautiful and Great place for kids, and we're gonna do all kinds of mentoring and sports ministries in the area, but, but here's the thing. We're gonna to give to a campus, some of you, that you'll never walk in. Hopefully, you'll go minister down there, but you'll, you'll never walk in. In Tascacita, you'll give to a campus maybe you'll never walk inside because people who come to Christ will be thankful that you made the sacrifice. And by the way, we're having a pop-up service. We're starting the church already, November the 5th at 6 p.m. We're gonna have a tent down there and it's gonna be all set up and we're gonna have an amazing service where people can invite their friends and, and uh, those who live down there who go to our church can invite their friends over. And it's gonna be amazing, November 5th at 6 p.m. We're gonna update the Woodlands uh, Tascacita Campus Plaza with, uh, and it's gonna take quite a bit to update all of our buildings and and then missions and ministries go on to new level. But here's what's amazing. When you give over and above your regular giving to do something like this, and we'll be sharing some more details in the coming days. And the offering is in December. You can give now in it, but it's in December. God blesses. Obedience brings blessing. You invest in building something that's gonna last. It's blessing. Look at Hebrews in this next passage. Chapter 12, verse 26, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. See, I mentioned all through scripture, he shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. You see, the only things that will remain are unshakable things. Everything else is gonna go up in smoke. You see, at the end of time, we don't know when that is. At the end of time, only God knows and even the son doesn't know he's gonna tell Jesus, hey, it's time for you to come back. And when it's all said and done, I don't know when that'll be, but everything's gonna go up in smoke that's temporary. The only thing that will last will be God's word and the souls of men and women. And that's what it's all about. And I'll tell you, God tells us here, that I shake you to wake you. You know, we talk about woke culture. I think our culture is pretty much asleep, but God wants to awake Christ followers to do something, to build something that lasts forever, but only God can build it. That's the thing that I've always had to remember all through the years. God builds his church. I remember when our church was meeting in a small private school, we'd outgrown it, and they just built the Woodlands High School in the Woodlands. And I knew that God wanted us to meet in the Woodlands High School. It's like, man, God built that for us. This is gonna be great. So we went to the administration and some of the school board and we said, hey, we would love to meet in the Woodlands High School. We'll pay whatever it takes, even though we didn't have any money. It's like, God will do that. And we're gonna do whatever it takes. We wanna meet in the Woodlands High School. And they said, oh, we love you guys. Y'all are great in the community, but no, we've decided no church will ever meet in the high school. It's wear and tear, all these things. It's, you know, we just made that decision that we will never do that ever. And then we had another meeting. It's like, hey guys, we really need to meet in the Women's High School. You, know, you never take no for an answer until God really slams the door. But then the second time they said, we love you guys, but we just, we voted no church will ever meet in the Women's High School. And I went home from that meeting so discouraged because I told them, hey, we've got some influential members in our church. 
You know, I mean, you need to realize that, and, you know, and we could pay, we could do this, and it'd be great, and I gave them all these reasons, and they go, we love you guys, but we just decided that. I went home so discouraged, but God spoke to my heart in such a clear way. Carrie, you're depending on you. I build the church. You know, I'll do it. I'll do it how I want. And God just impressed on my heart, what you need to do is trust me to do it, and I want you to go walk around the Woodlands High School and pray for the walls to fall down. Now, I'd been reading the book of Joshua. Yeah. I had been reading in the book of Joshua in my quiet time, and I go, no, that's just me thinking that. That's not God. No way. But God just kept speaking to me. So the next morning, I went to our pastors, and I said, hey, tomorrow morning, right there, right when school starts, we're going to walk around the Woodlands High School and pray for the walls to come falling down and so that we can meet in the Woodlands High School. And so they did. They met us there, and... Uh, they met me there. We started walking around the Woodlands High School, and all these kids are coming to school, and someone went to our church and go, Pastor Kerry, what are you doing here? You know, it's like, oh, don't worry about it, kid. Get back, get back in class, you know. So <laughs> don't worry about it. I'm going, God, I hope I'm hearing you because we're probably going to get arrested or something, you know. And, and I'm walking around. People, what are you doing here? Well, we're just praying for the walls to fall down. Yes, that's awesome. We'll join you in that prayer. Be great. We'll get out of school. And so we're walking around. And I remember seeing all the security and some of those cars. And then a kid just peels out and he just flies off of the campus in his car and all of them start chasing him. I'm thinking, what in the world? He gets to school and he says, I don't want to go to school today. And he just leaves, I don't know. And, and so they all left, all the security left, which I don't know that's a good thing. But it was for us that day. And we were walking around. We got around one time and all of the pastors looked at me and said, are we going around seven times? I mean, this is, it's, I don't know. I mean, God just told me this, I think. And I said, I said, let's, you know, let's pray. And so we prayed and we sang, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And then one of the pastors said, I'll go with you seven times, but I got to go to the restroom. So we felt like that was the call of God. And we stopped right then and there. And I go, well, we prayed, God, we obeyed you. And I got home and it was 15 minutes later. I'm telling you, within 15 minutes, I got a call from a guy in our church who'd come to Christ in our church, who was in the county government. And he had been with us at all those meetings and he said, you know what? I called the superintendent just one more time. And I said, you know what? Is there any chance? Because I know what y'all have said, but you could change that. And is there any chance? And he said, you know what? I think we'll do it. And, and he told me that. I told him what we'd just done, and he couldn't believe it. He, it brought him to tears. He said, that's unbelievable. I was just trying one more time. And I said, well, God did it. And I was really surprised that God came through. And God says, why are you surprised? I go, I don't know. It's just... I was surprised we weren't arrested, God, but, thank, but, but God always comes through. And that's what he's done every step of the way. And that's what he wants to do in your life. And I think about all the times I, when God impressed upon me to do something, I didn't do it. I think about the blessings that I've left on the table that had my name on it. And God says, I want you to step out and do it. Let's pray together. God, I pray over the next few weeks as we really dig into your word and get so encouraged by your word. I just pray that you would help us all step out in faith as we celebrate the 30-year anniversary and all these amazing things leading up to Christmas. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we wouldn't miss the blessing. All these exciting things are wonderful, but the real blessing is stepping out in faith and trusting you to do something great and lasting in our lives. Bring us back to the foundation, Lord. Help us return, rebuild the foundation, restore the broken, Lord, and reach the world. I pray for those who've never received you that they would just pray and ask you to come into their life right now. To say, Jesus Christ, I need you as my foundation. Forgive me of all my sins. I've sinned like everyone else. I receive you into my life. I accept your free gift of heaven one day. Help me grow in my faith and be the Lord of my life. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If Christ came in your life, he'll always be in your life. And now we want to give back to God. This is our offering time, and so we give back to God. And by the way, I just want to share this with you because we won't be doing this every week, but I want to share with you how do you do the Believe and Build. Well, you go to our website, and you click Believe and Build, and the giving, and it comes up. And you make your faith commitment, and it's a two-year commitment. And what you're saying is, this is what I'm praying for God to do. It's not a pledge. It's not anything binding. It's just like, God, you pray and go, God, what do you want our family to believe you for? And go on an adventure with God. 
and, and let him speak to you and talk to your family, pray about it, and, and then make a two-year faith commitment over and above your regular tithes and offerings. And again, it doesn't get debited out of your account or anything. It's just a faith commitment. And then you write your name down and you send it in. Something about it, you know, it's like, okay, God, I'm gonna watch to see if you come through, if you bless. And, and then give a one-time gift before the end of the year, a one-time gift that's a sacrificial gift over and above your regular tithes and offerings, that one-time gift, that, and it's for these things that we're talking about so we can do these things that will make a difference for eternity. Then you just give now your one-time gift that takes you to our regular giving. Um, and by the way, if you've never started tithing, maybe that's what your commitment should be. Just set up regular giving and start tithing because God says you can't outgive me no matter what. Believe and build. And so that, that's how you do it. But the real thing is start praying about it now with your family. We used to do that with our family. We'd pray about it. We'd pray about it. I remember one time one of my kids, we were, what are we gonna give you know, for the building over and above our regular giving? And, and you guys, we want you to be a part of it. We're praying about what we should give sacrificially. And, and they were praying. And, and my son Josh said, I'm gonna give everything I've got. And I said, that's great, Josh. You got five cents because you spent everything. So that's not, that's not, that's not a great commitment, you know. And Ryan says, I'm gonna see how Josh's goes. If God multiplies Josh's, I'm in. <laughs> but then he ended up giving, they both, ended up, Ryan ended up giving like $100 he'd saved up because he never spent anything. And Josh was just wanting to give everything he had. And I thought, how cool is that? You know, I wanna teach them that while they're young. And it'll make such a difference. And that's what they still do. And I'm so thankful for that. But believe and build. And by the way, it's our time for a regular offering. You can give by going to wc.org slash give. If you're online or go to your smartphone and text 77 or text WC. Um, what do you text anyway? I forgot, you know. I don't know. It's whatever they say up there. Just text it. And give. And then we can give. You can mail in your gift. You can give stocks. You can give. But think about how God wants you to give the bill for attorney for your sake. And now we're gonna give our offering right here. So if our ushers would come and take the offering, our regular tithes and offerings. And I've got a couple of announcements. Our 30-year anniversary service, November 11th and 12th, is gonna be amazing. It's gonna be here, our regular service times, but it's gonna be like a Christmas Eve service. I mean, we're pulling out all the stops. And it's gonna be so creative and so powerful to celebrate what God has done, to lift him up. You wanna invite friends, it's gonna be amazing. And then our Festival of Lights gets started November 24th. It's, listen, we've never done this before, but we have connected with the company that does the zoo lights downtown, all the big zoo light thing, and so we're doing that here. But it's all, we got to design all the features and it's all based on the real Christmas story. As you walk through this amazing thing, you see the real Christmas story, it goes all around our campus. Now we're gonna have the same light stuff out here in the plaza, every night, and that, that's gonna be free. But this, as you go through this, it's $10 per uh, uh, person, four and under, or free. And the reason we do that, we just wanna break even because it's a ministry for our church. And if anything goes over that, it goes to missions. And it's just, you know, and I think, I don't know what Zoo Lights is and all these other places that you go, but invite your friends. But you need to get tickets to it to make sure because only, there'd be thousands going through this and we only allow a certain amount you know, per hour. And so I want you guys to know first before the community and it's, you just go online at our websites and then you can uh, get the tickets for the, the night that you want. Of course, it's free Christmas Eve services. We're gonna have it going. It's gonna be just, I don't know how many people up here and it's all to reach people for Jesus Christ. So keep that in mind. Let's stand together because what I'm praying and what I'm knowing is when we step out in faith bigger than we ever have at Woodlands Church, to make a difference for Christ, I'm reminded of how he came through over and over again, how he always comes through, and I'm just praying, God, do it again, do it again. But the reason I want him to do it again so much is because of the young people in our church. I want them to see God do a miracle in their lives. And you know, uh, you weren't here maybe 30 years ago. Eight of you were, so I know that most of you weren't. So, um, <laughs> but you know what? You're here now for God's glory. And, people in the future are gonna say, praise God, that you stepped out in faith. And so I, think about your own life. How many times has God come through? And so many times I don't even thank him. I just look at the next giant obstacle. God, I need you to do it. The reason we have faith that God is faithful is because what he's done in the past, he will do it again. 
He will do it again. And what he's done in the past. Hey, did he get you through the pandemic? You're here, right? Did he get you through that pain and that problem that you just got through? Did he get you through that heartache? Did he get you through that problem? Has he kept you in his arms? Yes. Are you going through another problem? Yes. And he's going to get you through this too because he will do it again. Let's sing that and let's believe that and let's watch for that. His miracles. Do it again, Lord. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.